You're listening to Rambling with Ryu, hosted by Bean, the co-founder of Ryu Paralysis Recovery Center living with a T10 spinal cord injury, and Nancy, a professional kinesiologist specializing in pediatric and adult neurorehabilitation. Welcome to our activity-based therapy series, where we talk to leading clinicians, researchers, and those with lived experience as we explore the realm of neurorecovery. On this podcast, we educate on the lesser-known topics and give practical tips and tricks to help elevate your practice. Today, we're going to be talking about motor imagery. So Nancy, let's just get right into it. What is motor imagery? All right, so motor imagery is the mental process by which an individual rehearses or simulates a given action. So a lot of fancy words for basically imagining yourself doing a specific movement or exercise. So that could be something as simple as kicking a soccer ball or throwing a baseball. A lot of motor imagery has its roots in sports psychology, actually, which is very interesting in terms of they've done studies where they think of a free throw shot. So most people are familiar with basketball. So they had three different groups. So one group wasn't allowed to practice, wasn't allowed to think about it. Obviously with that group, we didn't see any improvement. And then they had a group actually practice the whole free throw action. And then they had one just do what we are going to be talking more about, which is motor imagery. So they went through the very specific process of seeing themselves set up, shoot the ball, go through there, but without actually doing it. And they saw a very little difference between improvement. So both groups that practiced, one with motor imagery and one with the physical practice, and they both made substantial improvements, but the difference between the two groups was very little. So they both improved even though one group was physically practicing and the other group was practicing in the mental capacity. So this is where we get to talk about why does that motor imagery have such a powerful effect on our brain and on our potential for rehabilitation. And it boils down to neuroplasticity. So neuroplasticity is basically the ability of us to change and create change within the brain and spinal cord, so our central nervous system. So motor imagery for us in the neurological rehabilitation setting is a really commonly used tool that we love to employ in every single session we do because we know it works and the research is backing us in that it does work. So that's kind of a quick synopsis of motor imagery and we love to use it. Yeah, I've definitely heard about that basketball study and I've also heard about another one where they did the same kind of thing with people playing piano. And it was, they had people who were actually practicing on a real piano and then people who were practicing without a piano. And the same thing that you said is the people who were practicing without the piano and the piano all improved their skills. And that reminds me of something I heard, and I don't remember who I heard it from, but they said that the brain doesn't know the difference between what's fake and what's real. And so we can use our imagination to really help with our reconnecting our brain to our body, which is so interesting. So then that goes to my next question for you is, how often do we use it in our setting of neuro recovery? And like, what is the biggest benefit from it? Yeah, so I mean, I like to say it should be in every single session. So as most of you now know about our programming, we have four kind of basic components to our activity-based therapy sessions. So one being active assistance exercises. So I find it the most beneficial during that focus time because 
motor imagery is a very dynamic process and we know that anything that's dynamic and or active changes the brain so much more and the spinal cord and the central nervous system so much more than anything that's passive. That's one thing I love about motor imagery is you become a very active participant in whatever you're doing. I think it should be in every single session for everybody. Obviously there's age restrictions on this because if you're not able to imagine what that looks like or you don't have the experience of what that is, then you might be limited in your understanding of that as well. So age permitting, we use it with as many people as we can. The biggest benefit, I think it just increases the amount of neuroplasticity you're going to get, right? Because it is such an active dynamic technique. It is a technique that we do use and do employ. And I think using the right words as a specialist to help them get the right motor imagery is super important as well, because not everybody relates to throwing a baseball. Not everybody relates to, you know, kicking a soccer ball. So finding the things like maybe it's brushing your hair, maybe it's cooking in the kitchen, right? Picking up that spoon, eating your cereal. So whatever that motor imagery is going to be, you have to find something that relates to that person, which makes that unique personal experience that they've had. They're like, oh, I know how to do that. And then they can get that better connection to that imagery that we're seeking. And then that connection grows bigger and bigger. So I think just the neuroplasticity effect is huge. Yeah, and that reminds me of when you and I were working together before Ryu was a thing, before Ryu was even a concept in our brains. But you were at my house and you were trying to get me to do my glute mead and like kind of moved my leg to the side. And I wasn't really understanding what you were saying. And then I was like, oh, like rollerblading pushing your leg out to the side and you're like yeah like okay now I get it that's what you just said Jav that's the story that it reminds me of yeah and it's gonna be different for everybody right so I mean at the very least if they're really not getting it I demonstrate on my own body too right so they can get a visual right there right in front of them of this is what we're going for another default is always you know pull up a video right of what you're trying to achieve and be like this is what we're going for or if they have an unaffected side so one of my favorite things to stroke patients who are hemiparesis or hemiplegic so that's one side affected versus the other side is use the good side look at your good hand open and close your fist with your unaffected side and then we're going to do the same thing on your affected side right so you can have that direct comparison of okay this is what we have this is what we want to achieve. And here we go. Let's move on from there. And that kind of brings me to an important point is we want to visualize the end result, not what we see happening. So it can be very discouraging if you're looking at your affected extremity, hand, whatever it is, not moving. And people can tend to dwell on it. And I can usually pick it out and see it in your face, in, in your mood. And it's a shift, right? Where you're just seeing it not moving and you're just getting frustrated, annoyed, and you want it to move, but you're not actually visualizing that end goal of it's moving through the whole range and we're getting that success, right? So that positive motor imagery is really going to create more long-lasting improvements to where we want to go. Yeah, you make a really good point there. So does mirror therapy fit into this as well? Yeah, no, that's a great one. I think mirror therapy is a very useful tool. So for those that don't know, it's typically used with those who've had stroke and it's usually an upper extremity type of therapy. So your affected side gets put behind a mirror. So your brain, it's almost tricking your brain into seeing that your hand is still there because what it sees is the reflection of your unaffected side 
in the mirror. So while you're seeing your other hand moving, the therapist or the specialist is going to be doing the exact same identical actions or helping you achieve those exact same identical actions. Let's say you're opening and closing your fists. They'd be helping you do that with your affected side while you're seeing it happen and you're doing it with your unaffected side independently. So I know it's been a really useful therapy for a lot of people. Just it's another tool that we can use alongside of it. It can really bring that, I guess, motor imagery into fruition so you can see it happening at that same point in time. So yeah, no, mirror therapy is a, is a great tool for sure. Do you feel that motor imagery works better if somebody's eyes are open or if their eyes are closed? Yeah, I think that's a personal choice. I know I'll usually start with people having their eyes open if they're really fighting me or stuck in dominant pathways. So what I mean by dominant pathways is post any sort of injury, you're usually going to have one side flexors or extensors that you're going to connect better to just based on your everyday positioning. So a lot of the times post stroke, you end up in a sling. So your biceps end up being tight, your triceps end up being weak. So your dominant pathway is going to be biceps versus your triceps are going to be the weaker pathway. So if I want you to activate your triceps, sometimes getting you to just close your eyes and really hone in on and focus in on those triceps can help you just because we know there's a lot of distractions sometimes around the gym and the setting you're in and it's easy to get unfocused. So to help you focus and help you zone in, usually I create a bit of a dialogue and talk you through that motor imagery while you're focusing on it. So now you're hearing my words, you're focusing in on, you're picturing that arm extending. And that also takes out the having to see it not move, that kind of takes it out of the picture as well. So now you really have to hone in and use your imagination to get it to where you want it to be. And so sometimes I find that more successful. Some days it's just not happening as well. So it's not a bad thing just to move on to something a little bit easier and then come back to that because it is a lot of brain work, right? That's the thing with motor imagery is it is a lot of dynamic, active participation on your part. Yeah, and the brain work is the most important part of our program and really most neurorecovery programs. So motor imagery is kind of like visualization in the personal development world where you're visualizing your success and what you want from your future and it's more of like on a grand scale. But what I'm hearing from you today is like that's kind of the same thing that I hear about in the personal development world. And I think it does apply the same way, just in a more specific manner. So even like through my journey of recovery, I still picture myself doing a roundhouse kick. As you know, Nancy, that's one of the things I miss the most about being paralyzed is not being able to do a roundhouse kick. And I still picture it all the time. And sometimes when I am picturing it, like I can actually put more weight through my left leg, even when I'm sitting. So I do believe that this works. Yeah, and I mean, that goes back to visualizing your end goal, right? Because if we get stuck with what we're seeing or what we're experiencing, we're not going to get past it, right? So always have that bigger goal. Always visualize that end goal, that end thing that you're going for, right? It definitely will help you get, you know, through the plateaus, over the ruts, and make the neuroplasticity that much bigger, better, more connected in terms of your central nervous system and your muscles. So what would you say if somebody is doing the visualization at home or even at Ryu and they start to get frustrated? What would you say to them? Like, what would you uh, suggest that they do once that frustration starts to set in? I usually just say, take a break, 
right? There's no point in moving forward in that frustrated state. Usually it's just because you're tired, you're having a bad day, you're not in the mood for it, and that's okay, right? Take a break, take care of your mental health, recharge, watch a movie, read a book, do something fun. You have to be in a positive mind state for motor imagery to be the most effective. I have this conversation a lot with many, many clients. What you're thinking, positive or negative, does matter, right? If you're thinking, this is my lazy hand, it doesn't work, there's nothing there, well, then that's what's going to be there, right? You're not going to progress beyond that. So being able to flip the switch And that's where this motor imagery becomes so important and why it is so effective is because you're truly believing that you're going to get that flicker, that kick, whatever it might be that you're working towards because motor imagery is really all about connecting, right? We're connecting our brain to whatever we're trying to do, that action, that experience. I mean, remember the thing is you're not necessarily going to feel it or see the results right away. So, I mean, that's also part of the frustration is that this does take time to build that connection, to build that pathway, to strengthen it up enough to move it. So if you go from not moving to moving, it's likely not going to happen overnight. It'd be amazing if it would, but that's rarely the case. So it takes time to build the strength to then start moving against gravity. Gravity is really powerful, plus the weight of your finger or your arm, limbs and fingers and joints, they're not light. So to be able to move against that, you have to produce enough force to overcome gravity. So keeping that in mind, anti-gravity positions, a little bit easier, right? Put our hand in a buoyant fluid like water, a little bit easier to then move again. But keeping in mind that gravity is working against us, it's pulling us down to earth and fighting that um, ability for us to actually move. So There's a lot of reasons we can get frustrated, but keeping as positive a mindset as you can when you're doing motor imagery is going to give you the best results, but realizing that's not always practical, that's not always realistic. So being able to give yourself that grace and to give yourself the permission to take a break, to, you know, go enjoy life and then come back to it when you're in that place where you're ready to attack it again. So yeah, I agree that all of this stuff takes time and that's just really anything to do with the nervous system. When you're trying to work with neuroplasticity, it's not a fast process, which is frustrating, but at least we are getting some recovery. And so I think that's what we really need to focus on to keep that positive mindset and to keep those like words in your head positive the way you talk to yourself. Because like I said before, your brain doesn't know the difference between fake and real. And like you said, Nancy, like this, all of this stuff takes a lot of time. And I just want to share something that I've been visualizing for the past, I think, two years. And it obviously hasn't happened yet, but I know one day it actually will. But I visualize myself meeting Elon Musk and not just meeting him, but being on stage with him and becoming his friend and getting to know like his technology and stuff that he's working on and maybe even having an impact on what he's deciding to work on. And hopefully that can help more people in our demographic. But that's something that I visualize all the time because I want that to happen. And like you said before, you have to believe it and you have to trust it. So like in my gut, I know it's going to happen. I will be his friend one day. But I guess that's what we're talking about here, right? Motor imagery slash visualization. Yeah, yeah. And that's on the the big scale, like Bean was saying, right? So we use it typically within sessions on a smaller scale or for a specific muscle activation, muscle firing and stuff like that. But yeah, for sure, you can use it on a larger scale throughout all of life. 
yeah, I think it's a really easy tool to use and it's at your disposal all the time. And I feel like a lot of people actually do use motor imagery without knowing they're using it. Because I know for myself, after being paralyzed and after talking to a lot of other people after having their injuries, everybody tries to wiggle their toes. Everybody. And it's something that you never really stop trying to do, wiggling your toes. And I feel that kind of jumps into the same field, hey? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think even for physiotherapists or other specialists out there, it's a super attractive therapy method or technique that we can use because it's easy to learn, easy to apply, and the intervention isn't exhausting for either party and it's not harmful. There's no risk associated with it. And we know from studies that it is creating additional benefits for everybody you're doing it with, right? So it's been heavily studied with the stroke population, lots of neurological rehabilitation, right? Since the 2000s is when it really took off and people really started applying it into that neurological rehabilitation setting, but it's providing additional benefits to that conventional or traditional physiotherapy and occupational therapy, right? So if you think about trying to do a task without visualizing it, you'd have very little concept of what you need to do to be able to actually achieve it. So here, you're, you're visualizing it almost before you're even starting the activity. So you actually have some idea or be- a better idea of what you're actually going to be doing and, and going through, right? So I think there's a lot of use and potential for motor imagery throughout every single therapy session, regardless of if you're acute or subacute or out in the community in terms of therapy and programming. So this is a really easy tool and technique that we have at our disposal. Yep, I totally agree. And it's something that we can do every single day. And like you said, it doesn't make you tired. It is a little bit frustrating, but so is everything in life can be, right? But by just by thinking about the positive things that you can accomplish generally in your life and more specifically with your body and the body parts that you're trying to reconnect to we know this works because if it didn't we wouldn't have Ryu (laughs) and so if you're out there and you're wanting to make yourself better look into this motor imagery and to see how the athletes did it because if we really think about it people who are in the neuro recovery world we're pretty much athletes too Yeah, I agree 100%, right? We're all training for something specific. We all have a big goal. And what that looks like for you will be different for each and every person coming through the doors. So no goals too small. Motor imagery can assist in you reaching those goals. And we'll be right there to help you too. Well, thanks for hanging out with us talking about motor imagery. If you want to talk about this more, you can holler at us through our website, reu.ca. And we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. As always, we would greatly appreciate if you could subscribe, leave us a five-star review, and a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, as this helps us increase our reach. And stay tuned for another episode coming at you in two weeks.